Welcome to Alive. I'm Christina Redko. Bill Reed is a good friend and a wonderful mentor. Today, I'll share some conversations I had with Bill together with some of his oral presentations. Bill works with the Regenesis Group, which focuses on a living system design process. Bill is an internationally recognized architect and consultant working in sustainability and regeneration. Bill is also a founding member of the U.S. Green Building Council and co-founder of the LEED Green Building Rating System. Let's listen to Bill. So to kick this off, a quote from Gregory Bateson, the major problems of the world are the result of the difference between the way nature works and the way people think. One of the things we think about is fixing carbon, fixing climate change by reducing carbon. We hear it all the time. People are getting rightfully panicked. And the question is, is that going to be enough? And from our perspective, nope. Sorry to say. If we fix the carbon problem, whatever that means, by the way, we will be left with multiple destructive impulses in our culture. We're destroying the world in lots of ways, whether it's monoculture farming, destroying soil, plastics in the ocean, habitat continuity and destruction, basically our whole social justice idea and how we take care of each other. Folks, we got a whole myriad of problems we got to address. And we, we address carbon, we'll take ourselves down other ways. So this is a system issue that we're addressing. And regenerative development is about regenerating our capability to work with complexity, complex systems, regenerating our ability to work with life. I have watched many of Bill's presentations. Here, he explains clearly why it is so important to address complex systems. We don't look at the system. We take those things that we can actually understand and address that further fragments the systems of life. This is the idea that the map is not the territory. Typically, we are conscious of a very small portion of what is happening around us. We map it out, and every tool, I love this point, every tool we use informs us about what information to ignore. That's the implicit, we address what we want to address, and we ignore a lot else. So how do we actually work as a system? And that's where we're going right now. So how do we practice a renewed way of being in relationship with life on the planet? For one thing, we have to recognize that technology is not going to solve that problem. It is our being and our will that needs to be addressed. What, how do we actually unleash will to actually be, to co-create with life? How do we adopt our ancient role to work and co-evolve with life on its own terms? To be inhabitants, not occupants. To be indigenous, and that means of place be indigenous in our place, to be humble and caring so that we can be effective in working with each other. Because if we're not, we're not going to be able to solve it. So there's a lot of systemic issues that need to be addressed concurrently, and this is a practice to do so. Remember that we're trained in reductionist thinking. That's what has allowed us to make some incredible discoveries in scientific thinking, going deeper and deeper and smaller and smaller. There's nothing wrong with that. It's just 
50% of the story, if you will. The other way is, of course, expand and say what kind of, what is the system that these parts are supporting and integral to? And so how do we work with that? That's the issue, is that we've actually forgotten how to work with, with whole systems. And the example is, um, Christina is no longer Christina if I'm just looking at your heart and kidneys on a dissecting table, you know, or a, a frog. When we dissect a frog, um, the frogginess is gone, right? So how do we know, how do we work with a frog? Well, we have to work with a frog in its own terms. And how do I get to know Christina as a whole living entity? So the definition, of, I'm going to go on for this a little bit here. So the definition of a whole that we use, I think it's from Carol Sanford, is a, a whole is singular, identifiable, mm-hmm. vital. It's alive, so it's a living whole. We're not, we're not talking about dead holes. So living whole, so it's singular, vital, and it evolves. Doesn't It's not static. So with that in mind, how do we get to know a whole? How do we hold this multiple of pieces that we have a tendency to break apart? The analogy that is most meaningful to me, if I want to get to know Christina, I don't take your heart and liver and organs and skin and DNA sequencing and whatever and throw them into a pot and stir them around. But that's basically what we're doing in cities. Making transportation and social justice and Black Lives Matter and uh, energy issues and climate change and uh, water pollution and toxicity. And we throw all those issues into a conceptual vessel and we think we're dealing with a whole system, but we're dealing with a bunch of fragments and we're dealing with a mess. So what's necessary for me to get to know Christina to keep this analogy going is I need to step back and look at Christina as a whole being. And the only way that I really understand Christina is by seeing how you interact with your partner, your kids, your colleagues, your pets, me. And those relationships are often invisible, right? They're energetic, their conversation, their activities, their gestures that um, tell me more about Christina than any of those pieces. So then how do we hold that? What are we holding? And we do this all the time, too. We people watch and we say, well, that person you know, doesn't look very happy. I wonder why. I wonder what's going on there. Or, boy, there's a lot of anger there. Or, wow, that's great to see that kind of happiness. That's even still superficial. But if we get to know people over time, we find out what's driving that, what's at the core. And that's what we're looking for is that core, is that essence of who you really are. And the same thing goes with our places. How do we look at each place that we live as a living whole and its essence? All right, I'll stop. Regenesis always works with the connection to place. And we kind of lost our connection to place. Well, a little more on that subject. Are you familiar with Eleanor Ostrom? A little bit. Okay. Mm -hmm. I think she won the Nobel Prize for Economics, shared it in 2009, uh, around her work on common pool resource. And what she found is that Garrett Hardin's Tragedy of the Commons, Mm -hmm. which most people have read, if you haven't, it's all over the web, that's a very depressing article, basically, and it pretty much describes what's going on today. The ocean is a big place where we can pull all the fish we want out of it. The air is a big big volume of air. We can pollute it. It doesn't really matter. It's just going to disappear. Well, at some point, it doesn't disappear. At some point, the damages become overwhelming. And the commons, those aspects of life are 
common to us all, and we think that we can abuse them and, uh, and continue to pull from them. And the tragedy is, is that we keep pulling until they're destroyed. Mm -hmm. No mm -hmm. one person is responsible. So what she proved is that people will actually take care of the environment and the larger systems that they're part of at the scale of place, at the scale of a system that you can see and feel the ramifications of your decisions. And it may take a while, but ultimately she demonstrated that people do take care of their places. So what I like to say about that is that we cannot save the world. Mm -hmm. You've got to save the biosphere. It's too big. It's too abstract. What does it mean to do that? And that's why we have so much problem. And that's one of the reasons why this whole climate change issue doesn't work is because we aren't paying attention to our places. So I like to think that we can save the world, but we save the world by saving the world place by place. So one thing I like to think about is that there are 4,037 cities on the planet larger than 100,000 people. And... Typically, marketing looks at a 3.5% tipping point. If you get 3.5% of the market, you've got the whole market or a, a large percentage of the market because there's a tipping point. So there are, out of those 4,037 cities, 3.5% is 141 cities. I maintain that if we can actually transform 141 places on the planet, we will save the planet. So focus on your home, focus on your place is... Um, the message here that in focusing in our place we also have a role to play mm -hmm. in. yeah so that's the cool thing about working with regenerative work with this statement the essence relationship there that's it that's all you need to know and, and the work is honoring every living entity's essence allowing it to be expressed. Now, the idea here is that if we inspire the place, animal, a tree, um, its role, every, every living entity has a role in relationship to the system that it's part of. And it may be very simple, maybe quite complex, but you can't dictate that role. That role is found by that entity, not you. And so this work is about getting out of a command and control uh, way of being. Sometimes that's necessary when you're working with complex or urgent situations, but generally allow the essence to be expressed. You do that with a child, for instance. You want the child's essence. If you're a responsible parent, you want to allow and nurture each child's unique essence to allow them to express themselves. Does that make sense? Would you agree with that? Well, the same thing goes with the places we live and the uh, role of our community members. If we can nurture and allow their essence to be expressed, they're going to be more powerful than they've ever been, being pushed into a role that they may not want. Now, there's no proof on this, but the idea here in my mind is that we all have a unique niche to fill in the environment that we're part of. And if we can allow everybody to express their essence, you're going to find they're going to find their place naturally to take care of, as long as they have common uh, aspiration. And that aspiration should be to take care of life, to allow life to express itself. And if we do that, we will be paying attention to what's important. To me, pretty well sums up this work. We have to have a larger purpose that we are all serving that speaks to role. And the health of our place is a pretty important role. 
if we're not taking care of that, we don't have anything else to take care of, Christina. Um, now, what is our role in that place? So my role might be to work and feed the homeless. My, my role might be to work and build beautiful buildings. We all have our drives. Those drives need to be integrated, though. So regeneration requires an ongoing practice to learn to work together as necessary to make sure that we're all pulling our oars in the same direction and not conflicting with one another. And that means that we have to be paying attention to what we are all serving. And that is this larger system that we call our home, our home place. Summarizing Bill's message, I would say that he's talking about regenerating our ability to work with life. Our need to address complex systems and to look out for the whole, the wholeness of life. Life is the process of becoming. It's the best definition of life I've ever heard. The process of staying in the game of evolution. Life, it turns out, almost seemingly in, in contradiction to the second law of thermodynamics, life runs up. Life runs up. Now, it depends on the sun to do that, but within our sphere of the earth, life, it actually keeps working. So whether it's a forest system or a child or a chrysalis, they're evolving into something new with greater potential. Life as a process of becoming. This is how I would like to end the first season of Alive. There will be a big pause, but in the second season, Alive will evolve into something new and with greater potential. Alive will be full of stories, of storytelling. I will write my own stories for Alive, hoping to see you back on season two of Alive.